Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. With so many weighty topics, you may be having a hard time following the words of Psalm 150, where we are called to give God a hallelujah. However, the Psalms are exactly where we need to turn when we feel that way. You're listening to Collective Hallelujah by seminarian Jody Van Wingerden. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. About a year and a half ago in April, I was walking through our neighborhood. During those few, first few weeks of COVID, the walking had become part of our afternoon routine. Finish virtual school and work for the day. Get out and get some fresh air. It had the benefit of not only getting outside and clearing our heads, it also did my heart good to see the way that people were rallying to encourage one another. Like the yard signs thanking essential workers. Or the neighbors who were outside chatting from a safe distance. Or my personal favorite, the vibrant colors of the sidewalk chalk decorating our path. Lots of rainbows and flowers and stick figures, some encouraging messages, a few obstacle courses inviting us to follow the curvy line or hop through the squares, the occasional work of a master artist. And then, in one driveway, the word, Hallelujah, he is risen. I felt jolted. Sure, the words were true. After all, it was Easter. But I wasn't really feeling them, you know? Maybe I was even a little annoyed at the suggestion that I was supposed to be shouting these words at the top of my lungs at a time when I really didn't feel very Eastery. When we had all begun to realize that what we thought was going to be just a few weeks of inconvenience was turning into the long haul. Long hours of staring at screens. Reports of growing rates of infection. Canceling travel plans. Missing out on milestones like graduations. Longing to gather with family and friends. Forgive me if I didn't exactly feel an alleluia bubbling up in my throat. I feel this psalm, Psalm 150, the same way that we feel this pressure on Easter to shout the happy hallelujah. Six short verses and 13 times we are invited to praise the Lord or in Hebrew, hallelujah. This poem, this song, is all the praise and all the ways by all of creation. Hallelujah, those who come to the sanctuary and those who are in the heavens. Hallelujah, hallelujah with every instrument available to us. Hallelujah with your body and with your voice. Hallelujah over and over and over again. This is the joy the celebration, the exuberance we try to capture on Easter and on Christmas 
and really most every Sunday too. This is the way we are supposed to feel when we sing hallelujah. But what about when we don't feel it? What about when the command to praise the Lord is jolting? When it is suggested at a time when we are settling into the long haul? When hallelujah doesn't line up with what we're living through? When it sounds about as tone deaf as the person who responds to your tears by tossing out a cheerful, let go and let God. What about when you can only croak out a strangled, cold, and broken hallelujah? Or when you can't even muster any words at all? Or when you can't summon the will to put one foot in front of the other in order to go to the sanctuary? What about when your words sound more like Psalm 13? How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? What about those who have spent the last year or two in assisted living or hospitals, isolated from the ones who love them, who have longed to sit by a bedside and hold a hand, who cry out the words of Psalm 6, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? I am worn out from my groaning. What about the children in this city who spent more than a year not being in school? Or their teachers who struggled to make connections with their students through a screen? Who take up questions like Psalm 77? Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Or what about those of us who are simply bone-weary from the past months of stress, anxiety, conflict, loneliness, who barely have the, words to, the strength to speak the words of Psalm 88, I am overwhelmed with troubles. I am like one without strength. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. What about when you have no breath left for praise? Last spring, I was reading this psalm one morning when the trial of Derek Chauvin, the man who killed George Floyd, was happening. And during the trial, we were reminded of Floyd's last words, repeated several times, I can't breathe. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The cruel irony is impossible to ignore. How do you hold these words side by side? I can't breathe. Words that sound more like Psalm 69. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. 
Or what about 17-year-old Kaylee Kosminski, who was only three years old when her dad, Bob, a Grand Rapids police officer, was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call? A week before her 10th birthday, Kaylee wrote on her dad's memorial website about getting older and starting to understand what had happened to him and trying to pray every night and about missing her dad so much. What if her prayers at age 17 are full of questions about why God would let it happen? If her words sound more like those of Psalm 10, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. He lies in wait. From ambush, he murders the innocent. A few years ago, just before Easter, a young family in my church lost their little boy. Ben and Meredith Hamlin's son Tommy, suddenly and inexplicably gone. A terrible headache on Palm Sunday morning, and by Thursday, he had died. Two weeks later, I stood near them as our congregation sang the words of a favorite song. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. They couldn't sing the words. Many of us couldn't. How do you say those words when the time between that first cry and that final breath is way too short? How do you sing when you have serious doubts about what God is doing? When the groaning of your heart sounds more like the words of Psalm 22. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. How in the world do we hold our words of anguish alongside the cheerful words of Psalm 150? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In all the time, in all the ways, praise. Praise in all the ways. Do you know that the title of this book, Psalms, means praises? I think it's possible that we've misunderstood what it means to praise. We categorize our words, our prayers, our songs. This section is lament, this section is thanksgiving, this section is intercession, and this section is praise, so that they no longer hold together. But what if we were never meant to separate our words in this way? We have allowed our concept of praise to become cheap if we think it is simply a feeling. But if our praise is offered to God along with all the other words too, it is so much richer and deeper than a happy feeling. The book of Psalms teaches us that our praise is all of these words. Too often I think we pluck a psalm as a single entity forgetting that it's part of a collection. We pull out Psalm 13 for one type of situation, Psalm 23 for another. Psalm 150, thank goodness, 
does not stand alone. What prevents this psalm from being tone deaf is that it is part of a book in which all of these words are held together. The laments, the thanksgiving, the accusations, the questions, the praise. All of it is brought to God. All of it is an acknowledgement that God hears our cries, that God welcomes our questions, that God receives our gratitude, that God delights in our praise. Our praise is all of these things, and our praise is shaped by all of these things. When we say the words of Psalm 150, we say them with the words of all the other psalms ringing in our ears. So instead of hearing Psalm 150 as a suggestion that we should forget all our troubles long enough to sing some cheerful songs, we can hear it as an invitation to bring all of ourselves to God without leaving the cries and the questions behind. Our whispers and our whimpers, our shouts and our dancing, they are all hallelujahs. Our tears of lament become a declaration that we cry to a God who hears. Our accusations become an assertion of our belief that God's world should be different than it is. Our questions become a response to God's invitation to relationship. And praise. Praise becomes more than putting on a happy face. It becomes a testimony to what God has done with all those other words. And our praise is not only a collection of words, but also a collection of people. A hymn book like the Psalms is not for singing alone. It is together that we bring all the praise in all the ways. Those who are able to shout their hallelujahs do so knowing that there are those among us who can only whisper. Those who cannot stand, let the others carry them along, reminding them that one day they too will dance. When we do this, our praise looks like George Floyd's funeral, where the pastor spoke to thousands of mourners by using the words of all kinds of psalms, guiding them through both grief and celebration, allowing their lament to help them envision and persevere toward a world that is freed from violence and oppression. Our praise looks like surrounding the Hamlin family with the words of In Christ Alone when they could not sing it. Declaring to God and each other that we long for a world in which death does not have the final word. It sounds like Meredith's words in the email she sent back to me when I shared this sermon with her and asked for her permission to tell their story. She wrote, I love the idea that praise could be lamenting and singing and grieving and shouting for joy all in one. Our hearts hold so much more space for joy and pain simultaneously now. Our praise looks like all the little ways that we carry each other through this life's joy and pain toward our eternal Easter. Because it is in this way, recognizing that our praise is a collection of all the types of words and all the types of people, that it becomes a proclamation of God's promises. By singing and crying and running and crawling our collective minds and hearts out in a doxology like Psalm 150, we declare that one day we will all be dancing and shouting. 
because that promise has been made in the one who carries us all and shouts for us all. That promise has been made in the one who entered this world in the soft, vulnerable skin of a baby in order to walk the shadow of the valley of death with us. That promise has been made in the one whose death and resurrection means that one day this world will be exactly as it was meant to be. That death will not have the final word. We have been promised that one day we will all be together with George and Bob and Tommy and all those who still love them. With all those in all times and all places and all the ways who have taken the words of all the Psalms on their lips. And on that day, we will hear the returning Savior say to us all, I will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I am making everything new. These words are trustworthy and true. And until that day, we continue to bring all of ourselves to God. Perhaps with words like those in a poem I came across a couple of years ago on Easter morning, which is printed in the liturgy if you'd like to follow along. It's called Alleluia's by Julie Vanderveen Ventil. For those ready to greet this happy morn, Christ is risen. For those with praise on the tips of their tongues, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And for those whose Lenten journeys lag, Christ is risen. For those whose tombs resist the dawn, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. All the ways to say it belong in the people's refrain. From the joyous proclamation to the barely mustered mumble. But because the joy is amped up on Easter, may I say a word to the mumblers? Don't let the alleluias shame you, as if you should get over it, should have folded your grave clothes by now and showed up, showered and shined. Don't let the sheer volume of voices make you feel like you're the only one who can't sing it yet. For some have taken the word in vain, a liturgically convenient excuse to wriggle out of dark places, tight spaces, dusting off death before it's done any good work at all. You are smart to sit with what still is for you, what might be for another tomorrow, what will likely come again, this unmanageable dying and rising, dying and rising. May the church hold both its calendar and your kairos, blend lament and alleluia into one song, insist that the stories we honor shatter the boundaries of a day. In Christ, who is all at once the dying one, the living one, the coming one. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we lift our alleluias to you, and sometimes we lift them not quite so high. 
Lord, we pray that you would receive all of our hallelujahs, that you would guide us to help each other offer those hallelujahs to you, and that in doing so, we would see you more clearly through each other in the power of Christ, your Son. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.